Hey, everyone. I'm George Davis. I also want to thank you for joining us for this online service of the Hershey Free Church as we begin a new year, 2021. So happy new year to you. If you've got a Bible, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 12, the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 12. As we're starting this uh, new year, I hope uh, you had a restful and refreshing Christmas season. And as we start this new year, we're actually starting a new series. As you can see, this is Love This Book Part 2. We're picking up where we left off with our Love This Book series at the beginning of 2020. Uh, We started by going through the first part of the Old Testament. Now we're going to pick up and continue through the Old Testament. And this is a series that we've designed for us really to truly do together as a church. And with that in mind, we have provided, uh, prepared a devotional guide. We've got resources that we want to encourage you to use. If you haven't picked this up, this uh, devotional guide is available at the church. It is also available online at hfcinfo.com, and it will be posted there as a PDF file, but you can also get it week by week if you would prefer to do it that way. Each week has three different devotions that help you engage the text that we are studying as we go through this project. I also want to mention that uh, throughout this devotional guide, we've recommended videos that have been prepared by the Bible Project. These are often three to five minute videos that really help you understand the different parts of Scripture that we're reading or how to engage Scripture well. So if you've never utilized the resources of the Bible Project, I strongly want to encourage you to do that. And uh, we're going to highlight some of those resources along the way as we go through this study together. Now, um, I realize that as we start to come back to the Old Testament, uh, you may uh, your immediate response may be, "Hey, George, it's, you know it's great. You guys have prepared a devotional guide and these resources, but you know, the truth is, right now, I just I don't have time for this." Um, maybe you would say, in in point of fact, it, it almost feels like I'm in survival mode right now, right? In the midst of all that we're going through, I'm just trying to survive. Or maybe you would just honestly say, you know, in the midst of of all the stuff going on, frankly, the the Old Testament just doesn't seem that relevant to me. I mean, right now, um, you know, I'm trying to navigate this pandemic. For me, it's it's been navigating work changes. Or maybe uh, you're part of a family and there are people in school and and you're having to navigate doing school differently. So the truth is right now, the Old Testament really this just isn't high on my priority list. And I, if that's your immediate response to what, what we're doing, I understand that. I get it. I mean, I, I know this is a complex season, but here's, here's really why I think this is important. Particularly in, in an unexpected season that we are going through like this, a season that's, that's filled with chaos, really that's been filled with controversy and disagreement and and lots of uncertainty. I think particularly in a season like this, it's important for us to be grounded. It's important for us to be rooted in something bigger than ourselves. That's, that's, that's what we need right now, whether you realize it or not. That's, that's what we need. We need to be anchored. We need to be anchored in something deep. Something, something that gives our lives meaning and purpose and direction and particularly something that gives us strength for unexpected seasons. Something that 
doesn't deny the weariness, the frustration, the disappointment that we've gone through, but something that puts that in a bigger context. And that's something is the gospel. That something is the good news of Jesus Christ. That something is the storyline of the Bible. So I think particularly as we're we're still in the midst of all of this, even though we're starting a new year, it's important for us to recharge and recalibrate and to be redirected by the storyline of Scripture. So really, whether we realize it or not, in the midst of all that we're going through, this is exactly what we need. Now, as I said a moment ago, at the beginning of last year, 2020, we worked our way through the opening books of the Old Testament. And in this series, we're going to pick up with the storyline of the Old Testament and really focus on the history of the nation of Israel. Now, I realize, you know, for many of us, when we think about the Old Testament, we immediately just think about familiar stories, stories that we know. We think about Noah and the flood, Moses and the Exodus, or Moses and the Ten Commandments, Joshua entering the land. We think about King David and his exploits like defeating Goliath. And we're familiar with these stories in the Old Testament. But I think it's also important for us to realize that these stories are not isolated events. They're part of a coherent storyline. And, and while the Bible is composed of uh, a variety of books written over hundreds of years, it is unified in telling one coherent story. The story of what God is doing in the world that he has created, the story of God's faithfulness to his promises, and how we can be a part of what he's doing. It's a story that explains the world we live in, and it's, it's a story that invites us in. So that's what we're going to be doing. We're coming back to the biblical storyline, particularly focusing on the nation of Israel, but also recognizing this section of the Bible is part of the bigger story of what God is doing and how he is inviting us to be a part of that. So with that in mind, let's now come to uh, Genesis chapter 12, which is a passage we're going to look at this morning. Now, if, if you remember last year, uh, we actually looked at this passage as part of the Love This Book uh, number one series. Uh, but I want to come back to it, and I, I want to come back to it because this scene is foundational to really understanding the storyline of the Bible. Now, as, as we come to Genesis 12, let's just remember the context. In the opening chapters of Genesis uh, we see the, the wonder, the beauty of God creating the world as we know it. We, we come to understand that we're part of this creation, that we've been designed with meaning and purpose. We've been created in his image. And you and I are intended to reflect that image as we live in our workplace, in our relationships. We've been designed with that in mind. Yet as the storyline continues in the opening chapters of Genesis, sin and rebellion enter into the human experience. And, and over time, we see the goodness of God's creation begin to unravel. And we see that unraveling in chapters 3 through 11. We see it personally. We see it interpersonally. We see it culturally. But that then brings us to Genesis 12. And here's where the narrative of Genesis slows down. The author now focuses into one man and his family. It's, it's the story of Abram, whom we know as Abraham. 
And, and the, the storyline begins to focus on Abraham because he will be foundational to God's rescue plan. He will be foundational, central to God's plan of renewal and salvation. So with that backdrop, let's now come to Genesis chapter 12. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Now, as we come to this, I I also realize that maybe you would say, you know what, George, this is great. I I know the stories of Abraham. I you know remember them from Sunday school as a kid, but but I prefer to focus on the New Testament. What really excites me about the Bible is the story of Jesus or the letters of Paul written to early Christians. Well, once again, I get that, and um, I, I I love Paul as as well as anyone. But but please understand this. As the writers of the New Testament unpack the story of Jesus, they link his ministry, they link his work back to these foundational promises. For instance, Paul in Romans says Abraham is is the father of all those who believe. And in looking back to Abraham, he looks back to the promises that were made to Abraham. We see this in Galatians chapter 3. Notice what Paul says as he's really explaining the storyline of the Bible. He says this, Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Once again, there's the idea that those who are followers of Jesus are, are also ultimately part of Abraham's family. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, and notice this, and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All the nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Now notice this wording again. As Paul is explaining the storyline of Scripture, obviously he's moving to the work of Christ and the cross and the resurrection. But he says this was actually announced in advance to Abraham in the promises given to Abraham in Genesis chapter 20. In other words, in, in, in telling the story of the Bible, Paul is telling these early followers of Jesus, including those who weren't Jewish, you are part of this same unfolding story that is rooted in Genesis 12. You are actually part of the ongoing storyline that is rooted in the promises God made to Abraham. In fact, one of the ways to think about the storyline of the Bible is this. All the rest of the Bible does is unpack how God will fulfill the promises that he makes in Genesis chapter 12. So as as we pick up the history of Israel and love this book part two, We need to remember that this history is is rooted deeply in these promises, and this history ultimately will take us to Christ and the mission of his church. Now, as as we pay attention to this interaction between God and Abraham, let let me just show you the structure 
of uh, how this passage breaks down. Because what you have really in this passage are, are two commands that each come with promises. Two commands given to Abraham, and, and each of these promises, or each of these commands come with promises. So first of all, there's the, the command to go from your country. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. So there's the first command along with the promises that come underneath it. Then as we move through the rest, there is the command. There's some debate about how to understand this, but I think it's actually a command. There's the command in verse 2 to be a blessing. And then once again, there are promises that come with that. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. So two commands given to Abraham. First, you, you, you need to go. And he was commanded to, to leave everything that was familiar and comfortable for him in Mesopotamia. He's commanded to take this huge step into the unknown. Yet with that step comes these amazing promises. Then he's commanded to be a blessing. In other words, Abraham is told that the commands I'm giving you and the promises that I'm giving you aren't just about you. I'm going to be at work in your life because through you, I want to actually be at work in the entire world. Through you, I'm going to bring blessing to the world. So notice that with each of these commands, there come a series of promises. And I think the the emphasis in this passage is actually on on the promises. So ultimately, in in this interaction, which is foundational to the storyline of Scripture, the focus is is on what God is doing. The focus is really on the work of God, not on the work of Abraham. Nonetheless, Abraham still has a role to play. Now, in looking at this passage, uh, what I want to briefly do is just highlight two themes for you. Two themes that I think are at work here, two themes that will be at work in the life of Abraham. But I think two themes that are also at work in our lives as well as followers of Jesus. Because remember, Paul tells us we need to see ourselves as part of the ongoing story of Genesis 12. So here are two themes that we need to pay attention to. First is is the theme of calling. Simply put, God calls Abraham. God initiates this relationship, and, and as he brings Abraham into this relationship, uh, Abraham isn't simply to be passive in the process, right? He's summoned into God's work. He's summoned as a participant. And I think that's true for us in the gospel. The gospel, the good news is the story of God's initiative, God's grace that's made available to us through the work of Christ. It's his grace, his gift that we receive through repentance and faith. Yet to be brought into the gospel is is also to be brought into the work of the gospel. And when we we become recipients of God's grace, we are also to be agents of that grace. And that's exactly what we see in Abraham's calling in Genesis 12. Now, you know, as, as we read these amazing promises that God gives to Abraham, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, you're going to be a great nation. I'm going to bless the world through you. I mean, these are some amazing promises. As you read these amazing promises, you might think, you know what? If God is going to truly do that through Abraham, his life is going to be absolutely amazing. I mean, it's going to be one victory after the next. Yet, 
that, that's really not what happens. In actuality, Abraham does set out, right? He takes this faith step. He packs up. He leaves behind everything that is familiar. He travels west to Canaan, this land that God has promised. But then hardship strikes. In fact, we, we read it a little later in Genesis 12. Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. This happened from time to time, and it happens right as Abram is coming into Canaan. Now, interestingly, keep this in mind. In the Old Testament, going to Egypt is sometimes linked (laughs) with a failure to trust in God. So Abram goes to Egypt. And I think one of the things that we, we... we're intended to learn here is yes, yes, this amazing calling is on Abram's life, but God's call doesn't guarantee comfort. It doesn't guarantee control. I mean, first of all, Abraham is called to go, but, but he isn't given the specifics of all that that will entail. He doesn't know exactly where he's going or he, and he doesn't know exactly what it's going to involve. He doesn't have control over the situation. Furthermore, once he gets there, it becomes uncomfortable. I mean, he has to deal with a famine, and that leads him to choose to go to Egypt. Now, now notice what's happening here. I think we need to pay attention to this. Abraham responds to God's call, right? He takes this amazing step. But instead of getting comfort and control, he gets hardship. He gets complexity. And over the next few chapters, really as the story slows down to give a specific of Abraham's life, we're going to see him having to learn to deal with hardship and complexity as as it comes his way. And I think as the story unfolds, uh, one of the things we learn, one of the things we learn about Abraham is this. In so many ways, he's an admirable guy. Yet under the right pressure, he will take shortcuts. I mean, under, under the right pressure, he will seek to take control in unhealthy ways. For instance, he goes to Egypt, and fearing what might happen there, in order to protect himself, he tells his wife, it's safer for me if you pretend to be my sister. And that's kind of one insight into, uh, into his character under pressure. He will take shortcuts. And here's what we need to understand. These hardships don't simply complicate Abraham's life. They also reveal his heart. Now, just think about that for a moment. Hardships don't simply complicate our lives. They also reveal our hearts. They expose what's going on on the inside. And here's where I think this really hits home for us. I mean, let's go back a year, right? Think about the the start of 2020. Maybe, you know, I've even gone back to, on my phone to see the first pictures I took in the new year, and it just seems so long ago. And I think many of us, as we started last year, would have said, you know, I want this to be a year where I follow Christ. I want to be committed to living out my calling. Even as we started of the year, right, many of you made sure you were participating and loved this book part one. But, but then March hit. March hit, and... Things just changed. So here's the question to think about. 
what have the last few months revealed about you? Remember, hardships don't simply complicate our lives. They also reveal our hearts. So what have, what have these months revealed about you? I encourage you to, to wrestle with that question, to do some self-reflection. What have, I, what have I learned about myself during this pandemic? What, have, what, have, what has this experience revealed? Now, please hear me clearly on this. I'm not asking you to beat yourself up. I mean, in different ways, this has been hard for all of us. And I think all of us have moments we wish we would have handled differently. But here's what I am saying. Don't just say, you know what, I wish this were over without paying attention to what you can learn in the process. You see, hardships are great learning opportunities. Don't miss out on this. I just encourage you, don't miss out on this. Don't miss out on the reality that that this is a learning season, that this is a stretching season. It's a time, I think, for us to be continuing to learn how to take next steps and learning what it looks like to follow Christ. So don't miss out on, don't miss out on what God wants you to learn, what, you want, what he wants you to learn about himself and what he wants you to learn about yourself. So again, I just encourage you to really wrestle a little bit. Okay, what is this season revealed? What am I learning? What am I learning about myself? And, and just to be really just straightforward and honest, I, I think one of the, when I wrestle with that question a little bit, I have to be honest that, you know, one of the things I've learned about myself through this is I like control. And that's been taken away. And that's hard. I think, I think another thing that I learned about myself, particularly, you know, since this has been a year filled with disagreement and conflict on multiple issues. In the midst of all of that and interacting with others, I've learned at times, I, at times I'm more focused on making my point than listening to other people well. And I just realized I had to wrestle with that because there's certain situations I look back, I wish I'd handled that interaction differently. I wish I'd handled that conversation differently. I was so focused on making my point that, that I wasn't listening well to another person. And I actually think these two issues are, are probably related. <laughs> because I like control, I want to win the argument. I want to make my point. And so in a real sense, you know what? When I slow down, I see myself in Abraham's story. In the midst of hardships, I see myself kind of having certain things exposed, being confronted with certain things about myself that need to change. And this is hard. This is discouraging. But, but this actually leads us to the second theme that I want to highlight. And that's the theme of blessing. As you, as you read this passage, the passage drips with the theme of blessing. This passage is soaked deep with the theme of blessing. Right? Abram, I'm, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to bless the world through you. Now, the term blessing, it's, 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 a, it's a term we don't necessarily use frequently. Here's, here's one way to think about that. The, the concept of blessing in this passage, and that is this. It expresses God's purpose to give his creatures all they need to fulfill their lives in his creation as he intends for them. Maybe another way to say that is this. This, this idea of God's blessing means that he's promised to give us everything we need to live out our calling. 
He's promised to give us everything we need to live out our calling. In fact, as you read the story of Abraham, as you, you know, you read about his interaction with Lot, as you read about the birth of Isaac and God telling him to sacrifice his son, what you were reading is this. You are reading the story of an individual learning to live out his calling in light of God's blessing. Yes, under pressure, he's tempted to take shortcuts, tempted to take control, He's learning, and and we see him taking steps in this direction. He's learning as he follows God, as he seeks to be obedient, that God is going to give him everything he needs to live out his calling. Furthermore, I don't think Abraham fully understands this at the time, but we 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 also begin to see that his imperfect steps of obedience are leading to the story of, his, of Israel. His imperfect steps of obedience are leading to the story of Jesus. And so as he seeks to live out his life, his calling, in response to God's blessing, he is becoming a blessing to others. Now, let's, let's just think about what this means for us. We're called to be followers of Christ. And over the last few months, we have experienced unexpected hardships, just like Abraham. And if we're honest, just like Abraham, I think some of us would say these hardships have exposed us. And we need to pay attention to that. We need to be attuned to that. But we can't stop there. We also need to remember that just like Abraham, God promises to be with us. He promises that his grace, his blessing, will be at work in our lives through his spirit, giving us what we need in this moment to live out our calling. And I think that his grace is is working in all sorts of ways. It's working through his word. And, And getting involved in Love This Book Part 2 is a great way to expose yourself to God's grace, to engage him in the storyline and to see that he's still providing grace for us to live out our calling. His grace is at work as we engage him in prayer and we're, we're honest about what we're going through, even as we talked about last week. His grace is at work through, through relationships in our lives as, as we are intentional in relationships and staying connected and staying connected with people who can encourage and support and walk with us, regardless of what this season looks like for us right now. And his grace is at work in opportunities that he's giving us to be a blessing to other people, to build into others, to be agents of his grace. So as we start this new year, as we start this new series and jump back into the storyline of Scripture that can anchor us and give us a sense of meaning and purpose and strength, even in the midst of all the uncertainty we're going through, as we pick up where we left off, my encouragement to you as we begin this new year is don't just say, I just want all this to be over. Don't just say, I want all this to be over and and somehow put your life in neutral until that happens. Instead, embrace this moment. Embrace this season as a time in which we can learn to live out our calling in light of God's blessing. With that in mind, would you pray with me? 
So gracious God, we are starting now a new year, and it's great to turn the page, but even as we turn the page, there's a lot of uncertainty and 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 just newness of how we're having to do things, and still lots of question marks about what this year will look like medically, socially, culturally. And Father, in the midst of that, we we need to be anchored in something deeper. We need to be anchored in the gospel, which gives us meaning and purpose and direction and strength. And I pray that as we start this new year, we're going to be willing to dive into this study of the Old Testament, because this is a central part of that bigger story of which we are now a part. And Father, now I also pray we're turning the page. We're excited about 2021 because we hope this is the year when we get all this stuff behind us. But I pray, Father, in in looking forward to when things are different, I pray we wouldn't lose out or miss out on what you are doing in this hard moment right now. I pray even in the uncertainty that we could embrace this start of a new year as a season in which we're learning to live out our calling in light of your blessing. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, now as we start the new year, I really want to encourage you to, to jump in and be a part of this with us. As we talk about God's blessing being at work, one of the ways his blessing, his grace is at work powerfully, one of those ways involves engaging him in his word. So again, happy new year. And now as we start this new year, may we embrace this moment as an opportunity to live out our calling in light of his blessing. Amen.